Hi, this is Charles Grodin, and you're listening to TV Confidential. The first serious broadcasts done on television were news shows, and since we're newsmen, we thought we'd start there. This is how it was at the beginning, a picture of a correspondent saying words. But first, news broadcasting techniques. It's just a radio studio with a camera and a correspondent reading words. Just radio with pictures. To the thousands of people who worked in early television, from stars to toilers, this may not be the way you remember it. And we've left oh so much out, and there's been oh so much lost and thrown away. Because a television show has been thought of like a Kleenex. You use it for the eyes and then throw it away. Nobody knew television was going to be so big. Ed Robson on Phil Grace, Tony Figueroa, and Donna Allen as we continue our look at how television news covered the events of November 22, 1963, the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. Phil, of course, is founder and owner of Archival Television Audio, the largest vintage television soundtrack archive in the world, featuring more than 15,000 hours of audio from more than 12,000 original television programs and original television newscasts from the 50s, 60s, and early 1970s, a collection that in many respects cemented itself on the afternoon of November 22, 1963. Phil uh, will be sharing some of that audio with you tonight for more information, including samples of some of Phil's other uh, audio air checks of the news coverage of the John F. Kennedy assassination. Go to atvaudio.com. This segment of our program originally aired November 13, 2013. We're replaying it tonight to commemorate the 60th anniversary of the death of John F. Kennedy. Phil, before we went to break, you told the story of how you had put your passion of, for uh, archiving early television on the back burner. But as, as you said, 1987, 1988, you're beginning to realize that you have something that you know, a lot of these more famous archives, such as the Library of Congress, do not have. What led you to uh, finally go public with them? Well, when I realized that the Perry Center at that time, the Museum of Broadcasting, didn't have a number of uh, titles that I have, I felt a, um, a motivation to donate some material to their archive. And I submitted my handwritten notebook with titles. And uh, two weeks later, I received back um, a reply stating that they were not really interested in audio. However, they were interested in three particular audio air checks, and I did donate those three audio air checks. Uh, and among those three were the John F. Kennedy Bulletins by, by Don Pardo and those first minutes. Now, here's the irony of irony. When the Museum of Broadcasting moved physically, they literally lost those tapes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my. Amazing to me. I mean, isn't that the irony of ironies? Here you have, you know, a repository, a museum. They basically were one of the first in 1976. They became literally one of the first museums in the country to literally focus on uh, saving television. And uh, here... Approximately 12 years later, I, I give them at least these audio air checks. And um, 
Years later, I checked with them, you know, in the early 90s, they didn't have them. And another irony of ironies to me, and it, it, it's kind of um, not so unusual, because the mindset through the 50s and 60s and 70s, early 70s, was not the same. And I remember trying many times to communicate with NBC, and I wanted to give them the burdens and those lost minutes. And, you know, I was repulsed. I was given a shuffle, a runaround, and I got so tired of trying to get to the right people, I just stopped calling. And I never did ever send those tapes to NBC. The intent was to do it. But even then, they were not it. No one was interested. It was, it, you know, to me, it, 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 it almost uh, parallels the mindset of producers and networks and local stations in the 60s especially when they would take their quads, their two-inch uh, videotapes, and erase what was on them and retape over them. Well, it just – we, we've talked about this before. I mean, sometimes it just depends on the mindset of, who, of who's answering the phone that day. In some cases, you'll be, you'll be lucky, and they will have the presence of mind. They understand, okay, this is something significant – we should do something about this, and other times it could just very well be an intern and not just... Not, not, not Very true, it. and I think I never was able to uh, penetrate past uh, that um, secretary. Well, you weren't able to penetrate the secretary at NBC, but you were. You did make contact with the Library of Congress, which wrote you a very nice letter acknowledging your donation to them as well as the Paley Center. We are taking a look at uh, how Television News covered the events of November 22, 1963, along with Phil Grace, Tony Figueroa, and Donna Allen. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. One more, and I want to tell you about the full circle a collaboration led by Astrid Kastenberg and Katia Gerbiez that takes place twice a month at the Women's Club of South Pasadena, 1424 Fremont Avenue in South Pasadena, California. The Full Circle is based on the premise that all of us are our own best self-healers, and that movement is medicine. For more information, go to cotalife.com, C-O-T-A-L-I-F-E, cotalife.com, or go to at cotalifegoddess on Instagram or at Katia Gerbiez. On Instagram. Hi, this is George Slaughter for TV Confidential. Watch it. Don't watch it. Listen to it. Let's see. Now, we, we talked about the, the Don Pardo bulletins earlier in the program. What was the exact time that they were read on, on, on WNBC? Well, the exact time when Don Pardo actually announced those bulletins, that first one, which was uh, local, uh, New York City, WNBC, not NBC yet was 1.45.03 Eastern Standard Time. Don Potter was on duty, live. He was the booth announcer at that time for WNBC-TV in New York. And the NBC network on that day, uh, he was the first to announce for NBC on television uh, that Kennedy was shot in Dallas. And uh, his, his, as we discussed, his first bullet interrupted the local broadcast of Bachelor Father. We're going to play that very first bulletin read by Don Pardo right now. Bulletin from NBC News. In downtown Dallas, President Kennedy was shot today just as his motorcade left downtown Dallas. Mrs. Kennedy jumped up and grabbed Mr. Kennedy. She cried, oh no. The motorcade sped on. A photographer said he saw blood on the president's head. It was believed two shots were fired. 
Keep tuned to your NBC station for the later news. Don Pardo announcing the assassination of John F. Kennedy at uh, 1.45 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday, November 22nd, 1963, as recorded from the then personal collection of Phil Grice. You know, one thing you have to look at from our generation, we associate Don Pardo with more uplifting material to report. I still think of them as the voice of Jeopardy. Of Jeopardy and Saturday Night Live. Absolutely. He was jocular, and he is definitely associated with uh, another genre of television announcing. But the fact that he was the booth announcer, whatever came across, whatever it was, he was going to read. Very good point, and I don't think most people would realize that at that time he was just there, you know, a booth announcer, and uh, he was the one who was put into uh, to action. And later on the program, we're going to play a few segments of a conversation that Phil had with Don Pardo uh, in 1998, in which Don Pardo recalls some of his initial reaction and gives you a sense of the chaos that was going on at the station at the time, which was representative of the chaos that was going on on the network level. And just, uh, I'd just like to ask you a personal question. There's a lot of chaos going on and initial reactions. What was your initial reaction to this news? Oh, man, I tell you, Donna, I, I knew that this is something I had to um, kind of record and preserve. I, I was 20 years old. Nothing like this in my lifetime had ever even uh, been contemplated. Much uh, had, had happened. Uh, Truman was shot at one point, but no one ever was assassinated and killed. So you go back to, I think, James Garfield. So it was unprecedented, and especially to have the moment where it is totally unanticipated, and I'm there looking at this bulletin card and recording that, and my first reaction was I was running out of tape. If you go back to my master tape, which I have, I was at the end of that particular roll of tape, and I panicked. And I was always anal about not erasing any previous recordings. And I could have very easily, you know, calmed myself down, and I would, you know, hey, I'm going to erase this, and I'm going to put it on here. But no, no, I didn't do that. I run out of my house. I remember just. I did, I did the four-minute mile. I ran down that block, a long block on Bedford Avenue in Brooklyn, and I plucked down five dollars for a 2,400-foot Irish recording tape, audio, and ran back and got there just prior to when the tape would have been finished, and I had my next reel. Wow. So you were you're more in a professional archivist mode at this time you were not emotionally invested like many other americans you, know, you were focused on point. capturing i never it. really thought about it that way yes well not but, you know I, I tell you i never thought of it that way I, I it was not where my you know i'm biting my uh, my fingernails it was like uh, being um a reporter and, and, and preserving uh, what was happening so that it would be um, on tape. And as we mentioned earlier, because you happen to have your set on and because you happen to have your recorder pretty much on standby because you had been recording uh, what was being broadcast prior to that, you had everything set up so it was a lot easier for you to flip the switch than it was on the network. But it was a parallel there too, I'd 
Uh, well, it took 11 minutes for a television studio camera to heat up. It took 30 seconds for my Webcore Stereophonics uh, tape recorder to heat up. It wasn't an automatic. You put it on and you can record in a second. I literally am waiting there, silent placard on uh, NBC bulletin, and I got lucky. It, you know, with, there had to be many seconds of nothing on the air with Pardo because it took me at least 25 seconds for that recorder to be activated. And then once that green eye came on, there was a green eye, a big, bulbous green eye, and you were able to adjust your volume levels with that overlap. Uh, I knew I was hot. I pressed record, and I just barely got the first word of, of Pardo doing that first order. We're taking a look at uh, how television news covered the events of November 26. 22- 2nd, 1963, along with Phil Grace, Tony Figueroa, and Donna Allen. And Phil, as as we were going over the timeline, we played the first of the two news bulletins that Don Pardo read on the air, one of which, the first of which was read at approximately 1.45 Eastern Time. And uh, I understand that he went back on the air uh, with another bulletin about two minutes later. Right. That first building uh, runs from 145.03 to 145, approximately 33. They go back to uh, programming, a very brief moment, and then approximately a minute later, at 146.42, Don Pardo comes back on the air with his announcing, again, it's still a boarding card, no live picture, and he announces the first national bulletin related to the John F. Kennedy assassination. And that lasts for approximately 67 seconds. And we're going to play that audio right now. NBC Newsroom in New York. President Kennedy and Governor John Connolly of Texas have been cut down by assassin's bullets in downtown Dallas. We'll repeat that. President Kennedy and Governor John Connolly of Texas have been cut down by assassin's bullets in downtown Dallas. They were riding in an open automobile when the shots were fired. The president... His limp body cradled in the arms of his wife, Jacqueline, had been rushed to Parkland Hospital. Clint Hill, a Secret Service agent assigned to Mrs. Kennedy, said he's dead as the president was lifted from the rear of a White House touring car, the famous bubble top from Washington. He was rushed to an emergency room in the hospital. Other White House officials were in doubt as the corridors of the hospital erupted in pandemonium. The incident occurred just east of the triple underpass facing a park in downtown Dallas. Reporters about five car lengths behind the chief executive were behind the autocade. Stay tuned to your NBC station for the later news. Don Pardo. Okay, now this is part of the national broadcast at this point, right, Phil? This was the national broadcast, Bulletin, the first. So when when you heard this and you heard the term Don Pardo was saying cut down, what did that mean to you? Well, I think that was pretty ominous. Um, you you almost assumed that he was killed. I mean, and, that and, was a and very Governor Connolly. Now, do you think that the, at that time, and I'm just trying to get a perspective from an adult from that time period, do you think that they were using the language that way to prepare the country for something that I don't think so. I don't think anybody really knew the severity of his um, his head wound. I mean, and when you see that Zapruda film and you see that um, that fatal shot, uh, that was that was horrendous, and uh, he was dead. 
but no one really came forth with any information until about a half hour later, officially. So um, I think everyone was scrambling, and uh, that AP Burden, that AP Waller, uh, whoever wrote that, and I never knew who exactly wrote that. You know, that never has been publicized. Who wrote those first AP Waller, that commentary? That would be interesting to research. But um, he was ripping off the AP Waller, as we'll later listen to Don Pardo himself uh, remember, and um, that was what was on that AP Waller. Now, in those the, words. Now, in the meantime, as... He's, you know, reading the bulletin off the AP wire from the national news feed. NBC is scrambling to get uh, their news team together, which would have been uh, Chet Huntley, uh, Frank McGee, and Bill Ryan, correct? Correct. Those were the three initially who um, were uh, put in front of that camera one fifty-seven p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So there, and they... They're more or less reacting to what's going on as the camera is warming up, not aware that nothing is being recorded yet, correct? You know, I don't think they were aware, regardless of when they were being recorded, whether they were, uh, you know, for posterity uh, on tape or kinescope. Uh, They were just professionally on the air, and that's all. Just like Pardo, he's on the air. You know, it's interesting that, that you say what you stated at, uh, in the letter from uh, Sam Balaski uh, from uh, the Library of Congress, he was at the time the head recorded uh, sound section in charge. Uh, and that's when I originally donated my material uh, to the Library of Congress in April of 1997. And that was over a year before I ever donated it to Don Pardo. I'm going to quote, he says, The Kennedy recording was, of course, very affecting. The rare opening announcement brought an eerie immediacy to the recorded report. I was most struck by the disarray of the reporting, that neither the press nor the administration had any control and had so little information to convey for so long how things have changed. They're referring to the four minutes that were missing, right? They're referring to, uh, he's referring to those three minutes and 53 seconds prior to when NBC started rolling tape. Okay, so with that in mind, we're going to play the first 3 minutes and 53 seconds of NBC's news coverage on on November 22nd, 1963. And we'll play that for you on the other side of the break. You're listening to an encore presentation of a special edition of the Sounds of Lost Television and This Week in TV History that originally aired in November 2013 that took a look at how network TV news covered the breaking news of the assassination of President John F. Kennedy and how that changed the face of television news over the next six decades. All that more, we come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. 
This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.